0: We must be getting closer to this season as we are talking with the one, the only, Dave McCarthy tonight from Sirius XM NHL and, of course, NHL.com. The man, the myth, the legend joining us. What's going on, my friend?
1: Oh, it's good to be on with you, boys. How's the offseason been for
0: you? Uh, well, you know what? For me, it's been busy with, uh, with the business we're running, but other than that... Uh, not too shabby, a little negativity in Leafs land. We'll touch on that in a minute, but uh, Dilly, how about you, man? How's your offseason?
2: It's going pretty good, you know, busy summer, busy working, young, you know, full of energy, ready to get this new season on the road, and uh, I'm excited to talk to Dave about the beloved Leafs.
0: <laughs> well, let's get right off the gut here. Let's just talk this one. Gut check time, Dave. What was your reaction when the Toronto Maple Leafs went out to the Tampa Bay Lightning? Um, Did you have a feeling that this team may have been a team of destiny, may have been to go on a deep run uh, if it weren't for the Kerfoot incident, uh, the crap call on Justin Hall, um, you know, the ifs and whats and nuts? This team looked like it was poised to take a little bit of a run. What was your instant gut reaction when this team went out? All
1: right, well, let's. Just uh, let's just dial it back a, a second here. Team Destiny. I'm going to use my old Mike Babcock here because I don't get to use that often enough. But uh, let's well, not get carried away here, okay? Uh, before, we, <laughs> before we talk Destiny, we got to win around, right? So um, that's what I'll say about that. So Team of Destiny, no. Never felt that. Um, you also mentioned the crap call on Justin Hall. I hate to tell you, but that's a penalty. I mean, they there, he, he interfered with the guy, right? Um, you know, so you can make you can make the case that that's a penalty, and they called it. So. You know, tough call, bad break, but if you're going to sit here and say, "Oh, well, you know, that call went against us, or this, you know, like, teams that win, they've got bad breaks to go against them too, and they end up winning the Stanley Cup. So, that's not an excuse either. Uh, what I will say, or as Babs would say in saying all that, um, they play better this year I, i'm just using my babs voice because i don't get to use it often enough and i think it's to get an impression that's that's the you, only you reason you can use it right here
0: buddy no problem yeah, it, it feels like we have them right here with us now thank
1: you I, Hey, look well, i'm still trying to work that out myself so <laughs> um look they they were better in this playoff run against tampa bay they looked to me like they had learned how to play in the playoffs. Like there was something more to their game. Um, But, but what I will say is that, look, they they played great in game one and then not as good in game two. They came up, played really well in game three and they had a chance in game four on the road to put the screws to them. They didn't play well at all. And then they, they delivered in game five and they had a chance in game six to close it out and couldn't get it done. And, you know, they were in good shape in Game 7 and ultimately couldn't get it done. So, you know, look, we can say this excuse or that excuse, but the fact of the matter is, in elimination games, the core of the team is yet to deliver. Um, Yeah, Tampa, really, since sort of, I would say, the end of the second period of Game 6 onward, that was the point where they were like, all right, Enough joking around here time to time to really get rolling and they dialed it in and then they they went full Tampa Bay right and the Leafs couldn't score so this is not something that just happened this year it happened last year against Montreal before that against Columbus the the team that's built on being a a team with with um almost or what they, they, they hope is unstoppable offensive prowess, their offense dries up at the most important time. So, look, I mean, th- that's just the facts, right? That's what happened. And they've got to find a way to, to score when when it matters most. And they've yet to do so. So, yeah, I mean, I, I thought they, they showed steps. I thought you could you could logically make an argument after the result of that series, to run it back as they ultimately chose to do with the core, um, in a way that I don't think you could have made an argument they had lost the way they did against Montreal a year ago. So I understand that, but how many more chances will you get? And I would I would argue that the team that will be on the ice in Game One of the regular season, on paper at least is not nearly as strong as the team that left the ice in Game 7 against Tampa Bay.
0: Well, see, I find that interesting. We'll we'll talk about players who left in just a minute. But um, to to quote Mike Babcock, could this last year's playoff lesson, if we can call it that, I know we've been calling that for the past three years now, but this lesson where they were more battle-tested, they put the screws a little bit to Tampa, the team that eventually went to the Stanley Cup final, Uh, for the third time in a row, can you say that this is some of that pain that Babcock talked about? Mm -hmm. You know, you're excited, but this is that pain that you have to endure as a fan. You understand that these guys have to grow and learn. The Matthews, the Mitches, the Willies, the Morgans, all these younger guys that really haven't got to experience this kind of stuff. The Washington series, when they got in, when they were all just babies in the league, I don't count that. The, the Columbus play in that was poof puff and dragon magic. I don't care what anybody says. What's so, so, different... so hang
1: on here? What what does that mean? Poof puff and dragon. They at the at the end of the day, they lost to a, a woefully less talented Columbus team. That that does matter, right? We can't just well, gloss over and say no, it was weird. You know, bubble doesn't. It matters. It it matters. I don't know. I I'm not
0: saying it's 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 nothing, but at the same time. I don't know. I just look at it. I look at it like this. in that season, that was the season that Mike Babcock was fired. Mm-hmm. They brought in Sheldon Keith. The season shuts down. I know everybody faced similar things, but the Leafs really never got their footing that entire season. They looked bad the entire season. So, I mean, to me, that season, them going into that bubble, it was designed for, in my mind anyways, for them not to succeed. Now, you don't gloss over it. No. Good oh. teams find ways to win. But at that point, yeah. they were not a yeah. good team. They still needed well, to learn how to become a team. There, and- there are
1: teams. What I will say to that is, there <clears> are teams <throat> every year that we would say are not Stanley Cup contenders that that went around, right? Like they they went around, or they they lock into a, a first round victory or whatever it might be, and then they get rinsed in the in the second round. They went around, like. Yeah. Toronto should have won that Columbus series simply by showing up and throwing their sticks on the ice. And they lost, right? They couldn't score. Uh, torts in the Jackets um, stifled the life out of them. And for a team that, again, is, is built on being this this insurmountable force of offensive prowess, disappeared, right? And, and that's that's one of the hallmarks of this team, that has been consistent through their through their playoff runs is that the offense, not necessarily in series at large, but at the most difficult times, comes up second best to their opponent. That to me is a concern for a team that that's how they're built. Right? It's not a team that's built on defensive structure and great goaltending and, and just score enough to get by. And if, if you get shut down, you know, okay, so be it. The team is built to score because they're certainly not built to shut down um, and 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 to, to Andre Vasilevsky, so to speak, right? They're not built that way. The way they're going to win is, is play Colorado Avalanche hockey where they score. They simply outscore their opponent and play good enough defensively. And they haven't been able to do that. That, to me, is a significant concern.
0: So one thing that I would say to that is then, isn't that on the coach, though? If you're getting stifled offensively and you're not switching up your lines or you're not moving guys to free them up to get better looks or adding them to a different line or sprinkling them in, is that not incumbent on the coach to do those things to free guys up? You look at Boston moving Mac around. You look at other yep. teams that move their stars around. But police would not break up the the Matthews and Marner combination. You know, or move Matthews anywhere to give him a a different look, let him breathe a little bit. Those things didn't happen. So to me, I look at that and I say, yes, the offense dries up, but it's incumbent on the coach to Mm -hmm. get these guys into positions to be able to thrive. And for whatever reason, the Leafs coaching staff just didn't do that. They did not change things.
1: I think that's a fair point. Look, I like Sheldon. I, I really do. Oh, I love
0: Keith. Like, you won't get me wrong there.
1: I no, no, I'm not saying you don't. I'm just saying I, I like dealing with the man. Um, I think a lot of what he says sounds an awful lot like the last guy, just with a different sort of you know, bow on it, so trick, yeah. it's,
0: it's
1: maybe a little bit more palatable for for folks nowadays, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Um, yep. but, but a lot of what he says is what the last guy said. So you know, I, I, I think he is trying to drive home the right message, but I will say that I think he did get out coached by Dominic Ducharme a year ago. I think he got out coached by Cooper this, this time around. Um, so know, is he earning his stripes too? To an extent. Sure. Yeah. Because, you know, it it's different when you're coaching in, in the playoffs against a guy John Cooper, who has pedigree there and, and has won Stanley Cups in his major. Like I thought John Cooper wildly outcoached Andrew Burnett in the second round against Florida Panthers. You know, say what you will about the Panthers, look what happened there. They won the President's Trophy this year, and they won a round. And then they still said, you know what? We need to upgrade on the coach. We need a guy with a little bit more experience. And, and, And status quo wasn't good enough there. And look, I'm not advocating for anybody to lose their job, but but what I will say is that I think there there was more room in, in Sheldon's capacity to to affect the game for him to be yep. a little bit better as well. <clears throat>
0: yep. No, I. That's exactly what I'm bringing that up for. One thing that I did like to hear, and I know I could see the groans come from this comment I'm about to make, but when Colorado was facing the Tampa Bay Lightning. And they said that they walked back and watched what the Leafs did against Tampa because it was effective. And that's the way they felt that they would be able to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. And ultimately it was, you know, using some of the same tactics and things that the Leafs employed, just the Leafs couldn't get it done, but Colorado did. They executed better.
1: Well, yeah, no, I, I agree. You're right. I mean, Colorado's the superior team to that of Toronto last year. But, but they played, you know, more Maple Leaf style hockey than, you know, pick another team that, that tries to grind yeah. you into the muck, so <clears> to speak, <throat> right? They played an up-tempo pace. Um, they made Tampa, like the Leafs did in the series at times, look slow. Um, they did it better than Toronto, and they did it better than Toronto, longer than Toronto was able to do against Tampa Bay. Um, yeah. um, you know, uh, the Leafs had like three opportunities, if not more than that games, two games, four games, six, and then I guess ultimately game seven, right. To, yeah. to really, to really put Tampa in a tight spot. And as well as they play in the preceding game each time in the next game, they let Tampa up off the mat. And, you know, it's like the, uh, the old western movie type scene, right where you know the the good guys got the bad guy over the cliff, and the bad guy's reaching up, being like, "Pull me up, pull me up!" I swear, I promise, I won't hurt you, I won't hurt you. the Goodness, pull me up, up. And the good guy pulls them up, and then what does the bad guy do? He knifes them in the back and kicks them off the cliff. And I think that's kind of what happened in that in that leaf series, right? They they yeah. didn't they didn't they. Had their their foot on the neck of Tampa, but they didn't put their weight on their foot, and ultimately, you know, Tampa's just too good to keep giving them that many opportunities. When the when the money was on the line, you know, guys like Kucherov, guys like Hedman really came through. They had the depth game seven outplay Toronto's depth, which. Often happens in Game Seven, right? The, the okay. guys oftentimes cancel; their out, they cancel themselves out, and then it comes down to a battle of depth. And Nick Paul delivered for Tampa Bay. So you know, Toronto was the I, I understand why they'd make the argument that we got to give this one more year. Where a year ago, I not think you could make that argument, regardless of the result this time around. After they lost to Montreal. They lost again the this round. way they lost this time around, it looked a little bit different to me, and I'm interested to see how it pans out this time around. But I am concerned, fellas, that the team this year, on paper, is not going to be as good as the team was last year, and I think that 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 has an impact as well. There's a lot of areas in this team that I'm concerned about right now.
0: Well, we'll talk about the players right now that left, and we'll get into that, but I will uh, I will disagree with you. I think this team is better than last year uh, going into this season with a guy like Callie Arcroch, uh with a guy like uh, Abe Kubel, uh, with young Nick Robertson who will probably finally get a chance to sit on the top six with William Nylander and John Tavares and use some of his skill. Um, I think this team will be better poised. A full season of Giordano, um, a guy like Jordy Ben who can fill in for Jake Muzzin, when he's ailed and still be that physical guy on the penalty kill, not the same hockey IQ, like I said the other night. But this team I think is going to be better and the goaltending will be better. But let's let's talk about the players that did leave. Um say the so goaltending will be better. Oh yeah, we'll talk about this. I do, I do believe the goaltending will be better. Um you have to remember if you look at the stats, stats don't lie. They're black and white, they're numbers. Mr. Jack Campbell had a stellar November and that propped up the rest of his numbers throughout the season. It really did. And, you know, I'm one of the biggest Jack Campbell fans, have his jersey, cards, everything you could think of. I love Jack Campbell. Love what he represented too, just the way he carried himself. Reminded me a lot of James Reimer. Love what James Reimer brought too. But he had one very solid month and a bunch of average months. The Leafs this season – We'll talk about it soon, but I think you have an, a motivated Iliad Samsonov who really wants to prove that he is a good goaltender. And you have Matt Murray who will finally have a team that'll have a little run support for him, a little goal scoring, a little pop, a little pizzazz between the uh, the old goal scoring, and going the only other way instead of in your own net and in your own zone all the time. So those things I do think will affect positively on the two goaltenders that we have. But I want to ask you about the guys who left. Ilya Mikheyev goes to Vancouver, gets a juicy little deal, but for me it was like one season where he didn't have hands of stone, where he actually was delivering and maybe it was what we were all waiting for, or maybe it was just one season, and he's kind of like Michael Grappner, where it happens on and off. But for me, you look at Mikheyev and say, well, we have players in our system and that we just signed that probably can do what he can. I think Abe Kubel will probably be if he's given the opportunity, probably could track maybe 15, 20 goals if given the opportunity. What are your thoughts there?
1: Well, what I will say about Ilya McKay is he's a guy that, um, First of all, injuries really derailed a good part of his Leafs career, right? The the wrist tendon situation, yes. um, and then he then he broke his his uh, what was it his thumb in training oh, camp yes. last year. So that that really got in his way, and and you wonder what he would have been like maybe earlier if yes. some of those injuries didn't come his way, um, and let alone the fact that the guy's trying to acclimatize to north america guy didn't speak a lick of english when he came over here and just put yourself in his shoes if you went over to well you went over to russia and look like you're not going over to toronto in russia if you know what i mean yeah it's not you know what i mean like toronto's pretty nice metropolitan city you know good folks and all that you go over to russia as a guy like you or i um you know you're probably not going to the, the best spot and nobody speaks English. Think about how well you would acclimatize in your first year. Me, I'd have a hard time. Like, I'll be honest with you. It would be really, really tough. So you got to factor that into it. Then the injuries crop up. And not just, you know, you, you break your hand or, you know, you sprain your ankle or whatever. Like, the, the guy had wrist ligaments.
0: Severed. Yeah.
1: Severed. Severed. In a foreign land. Think about yeah. that. Like, that is, how, how, like, I don't know, can I swear on your podcast?
0: (laughs) You can say whatever you like, Dave. You know that by now. Come on now.
1: I would be fucking petrified if I had to go into a Russian hospital and get my wrist ligaments (laughs) taken care of when I don't have a family member within however many miles. Like, think about that. At 23... So, yeah, well, exactly, right?
0: <laughs> but, but you had but, Kyle Dubas sitting by your bedside the entire I, time. And there. I
1: credit Kyle for that. I credit <laughs> it because, look, one thing I'll say about Kyle is he understands the humanity of people. And I think that does go a long way. So that absolutely helped. But nonetheless, it is damn scary. Damn scary to go through that. Um, and I think it took him a while to get his mojo back. And then just as it seemed like he was getting, braced breaks again last year. Um, But he he finished the year really strong. So I really liked what Ely McCabe is. I think what we saw in the second half of last year is the guy that he's going to be for Vancouver. I really think he's a good player. He's an elite penalty killer. He's a guy that I would pay to see skate without a puck on the ice. Um, You know, he gets a breakaway or two for free, it seems, every game. And last year, he started to shoot it in the net. I think he's bound to. He started to go to the net with some more desire and interest. Um, And in doing so, he became a really dangerous player. So I don't know if I see a guy that can fill that role that way with Toronto this year. I think he'll be a big loss. Um, I also think that Jason Spezza, I still to this day cannot understand why they did not have a spot in the lineup every night for Jason Spezza available this year. Mm -hmm. I do not understand that. This is a guy who was revered, revered amongst the, the players in the room. Okay. He was a hometown guy. He wants nothing more than to win in Toronto. He was a guy that would chip in and give you pretty reasonable production at even strength, Right. And he gave your second power play unit a hope of scoring a goal every now and again whereas without him the 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 times that he was not in the lineup last year either be it healthy scratch or suspension or injury or whatever it was that second power play unit like don't even bother coming on the ice they didn't have a hope of scoring a goal yeah um and i've got more factors here guy that was really effective on draws in high leverage situations and finally a guy that was willing to do all that accept his role and essentially play for free, right? I I I don't understand where there was no room for Jason Spezza. So I'm really concerned about the second power play. I'm really concerned about uh, contributions down the lineup. Leadership, like I'm a big proponent of that. But you know, okay, we'll find somebody else to lead. Um, I get that. Fine. Sure. If you want, whatever, I won't argue you on that. But just in terms of on the ice, what he delivered was really effective. And I don't know if they've got a replacement for, for, for that production right now. So that's another guy that I'm, I'm really, really interested to see how they're going to try to fill that role. Cause I think he filled a bigger role than a lot of people realize.
0: No, I will agree with you hundred percent on Jason Spetz. And I'm sure Dilly will as well. Spetz was, was huge. I mean, Definitely. He was put on the ice in key situations to take key faceoffs. So that right there is huge. When you have possession of the puck, nine times out of ten, you get out of your zone, you get out of trouble. Um, and the Leafs needed that desperately. They used to put him on on the penalty kill just to take face-offs mm-hmm. and switch him out. Snow, so, I agree with you 100%. You won't get an argument there. I don't understand the whole Spezza thing. Seemed like he still wanted to play. He did want to um,
1: play. He did want to play. But what he yeah. said was, if I play – I want to be able to be in the lineup every night. And that's not a guy that was like pulling the seniority card or, you know, being a big dick, so to speak. No. Um, What his point was that it was, if, if I'm trying to lead and set an example amongst the guys, I got to feel like I'm a part of it. Right. And guys, and it's not a slight on his teammates at all, but it's a lot more difficult to listen to the old guy who like Joe Thornton last year in Florida was in the lineup. Like, Thirty times out of eighty-two, yeah. as opposed to a guy who's in the lineup every night, and you feel like the guy's in the battle with you and all of that. That's what he was getting at, and I totally understand that because because no matter who it is, once you're not in the lineup every night, it's like okay, buddy. Like I get what you're saying, but like, dude, you can't even play anymore. So, like, fine. Yeah, it's that, at that point, you're just
0: another coach.
1: And and exactly. And and you know, I guess the fact that we ended up where we did with Jason Spencer is that that the Leafs did not give him an assurance that he would be in the lineup more often than not. And I just can't quite understand that because I, I like, I think he was a really valuable player on the on the bottom six. And I don't know if they've replaced that. We mentioned Nico Bay Kubel. Like, I mean, let's, let's not forget, right. By the end of the playoff run in Colorado, the guy couldn't get in the lineup. Um, and the most goals he's ever scored was last year it was 11 and 67 games. So say he plays 82, maybe scores 15 goals. Okay. Like, but that could be a career. I don't know. Like, we'll see. Could get in the lineup by the end of the playoffs. So we'll see what he's able to deliver. Um, Nick Robertson, uh, until you show me, I can't sit here and like what I call a guy like Nick Robertson is unbudgeted for performance. You go into the year not like you circle Matthews and say he's going to give us, you know, 35 to 45, maybe 50 goals. Right. Yep. yep. Mitch Martin is going to give us 85 to 95 points. William Nylander is going to give us 30 goals and 70 points that you budget for that performance. You don't go into the year budgeting that Nick Robertson's going to give you squat. Right. If he does, that's fantastic. And now you're ahead of the game. But until he shows me, for a team that is looking to contend, um, that is that is hope, and that is not assurance. And there's a very different different part about that. So, like he's got an elite caliber shot, he really does. Nick Robertson, he's
0: got wheels. Uh,
1: he has speed. Yes, yes, he does. You know what? When you watch a practice, it's a lot of guys that look damn good in practice. Do I see it in the game? And I've got yeah. to see it in the game before I'm willing to, you know, run for the rooftops with Nick Robertson. See, my big
0: thing with Nick Robertson, and, and, you know, we've talked to a few people who, you know, watch him on a regular basis and tell us not to give up on the guy, um, is the fact that he really hasn't been given a chance to ride on a line with skill. He's been put on the, the bottom two lines and kind of a grinded, mm-hmm. be defensive-minded kind of thing, right? And, I don't know about that, you know, though.
1: Second, he, power played, play he, he got some opportunities with with Tavares and Nylander for a little bit of time. That was got, a lockout
0: season. That was when they were in the bubble. I think it was. I don't think it was it was any regularity yeah,
1: though. No, not no, not any regularity because you're looking to win games, right? So that's that's the look. I, I hope he succeeds. I really do, and I think he's got a lot of talent. Um, I just think the
0: Leafs need to hit on one of
1: these guys, right? Oh, sure um, they do, but it's a question mark right now, is what I'm saying.
0: Definitely. But I think finally for – we can agree here with the least the players they brought in a little bit, like a Cali Yarncroke. I, I think that Sheldon Key for the longest time has been looking for a defensive-minded, know-your-role third or fourth line, which David Kampf gets it. Mm-hmm. Pierre Ingval by the end of the year got it. And I think they were looking for one more guy, and I think Yarncroke could be – or Yarncroke, whoever you want to say it, will be the, the other guy. And they'll finally have an actual line. Because that line when they got the puck, Camp and Engvall, and whoever was on the third part of it, the cycle game was insane. And they were keeping the puck away, doing different things. So I get excited for that. You know, and that sounds weird because we have teams with superstars. No no. core goals, but I get excited for the team to actually be able to do something defensively. Yeah. And shut other teams down, which we have not been able to do. We just talked about it in the Tampa series. We have to be this high octane team because we don't have that. Maybe if we have a little bit of that this year, it frees up guys during key situations. Yep,
1: yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, if they can put a line together there of, you know, mm-hmm. let, let's say, uh, Angval, Camp, and, and Yarncroak, if he can play a little wing, maybe, um, you know, maybe that's something there that you got a like a real solid third line type of line. And it's something that they have been searching for for quite some time. So, so that could be. A good addition, absolutely, but you know I'm still looking in the top six. I see a question mark. We'll see if Robertson gets that opportunity, but until he proves it to me, you you have to really, uh, you know, show some caution there before you get all too excited. And uh, then you look down the lineup on the fourth line. Like I don't know what is the fourth line right now heading into the year. out um, right there.
2: That Kubel and. Simmons
1: X. Like, is, is uh, Simmons 12. in the lineup every night? Like, I love Wayne Simmons. I, you, you can't question the guy's intensity, drive, all that. Man, he kind of looked a step behind the play, if not two, at times last year. Once they got him to 1,000 games, like, like I just didn't see the same Wayne Simmons as I did in his first year in Toronto in that uh, that shortened season. When he
0: hurt his wrist, you know what? For me, once he hurt that wrist or whatever it was, the hand yeah. He has not come back the same. No one can tell me he has. I agree There's with There's been that. flashes, but it has not been the same guy from that point forward. It just looks like he's—I wouldn't say gun shy, but just tentative in certain situations. And he doesn't look like the same intensities there anymore.
1: I, yeah, I wouldn't say I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say tentative. Like the guy wants to win like no other.
0: I, no, he definitely does. But I just I mean like know, going in.
1: I know what I'll say is I just I didn't see him being able to get to where he needs to be on the ice fast enough. That, yeah. that's that's what it is i think he wants to get there but i just didn't he didn't he didn't seem like he was able to um and look and and any like wayne simmons was never the the most fleetest of foot and once you get to you know 33 34 sometimes you lose that half step and suddenly the the other guys gain a half step and you're a step and a half behind the play um I don't know if that's the case. So I don't know if he's a guy, a guy that's going to be in every every day. Kyle Clifford, is he going to be in the lineup every day? Like, I I, I like Kyle Clifford, but, I mean, man, he made a pretty bad decision there in game one against Tampa Bay. Um, you know, he is what he is. Didn't right?
0: backfire, but, yeah, I know what you
1: mean. He, I know it didn't backfire, but, like, <laughs> it, he should probably, have. Probably it should probably should have, have, right? Like, let's be honest, when you saw that go down, Every league fan was thinking like seven minutes into game one, you know, last year it was Tavares getting seriously hurt this year. It's like, huh, are we serious here? We're doing this again. They got away with it. That game um, didn't hurt them. But uh, look, Adam Gaudet is again, a guy that has essentially bounced around the league. You know, he had, uh, what did he have? 12 points in 50 games last year in Ottawa. Um, you know, what he played fifty a game. Played a little bit in, in Chicago too. Guys, essentially bounced around the league. I, is he a National Hockey League player every day? I I I don't know. Like I think so, but I would rather have Jason Spezza been in the center spot on the fourth line. I'll tell you, than Adam Guite. But they they seemed like there was a desire to move past that. Older veteran, um, on the team, so you know that that's the way they've decided to go. The blue line, um, I think Timothy Lilligren played his best hockey when T. Mark T. Giordano, T. Giordano came T. over. I, yeah, I thought he was really good. Um, I still think they're probably looking for, like, let's be honest, if, if TJ Brody's playing with Morgan Riley, um. You still need an upgrade on that four spot with Jake Muzzin. Like, you really is, do. Is you it really, Rasmus? Is it Rasmus? I don't know. Does he he, he does he have an, a desire to play the offside when he was used in that role sparingly last year? It was an abject disaster. He was not good in that role. I don't know. And I think that's partly what's holding up the Rasmus-Sendin situation is that they are... You know they're they're holding their guns, which I hope for once the Leaves do. Quite frankly, Um, they better. And and secondly, I think from Rasmus's standpoint, he's looking at the depth chart right now. He sees Morgan, he sees Jake, he sees Mark. For my plan, well, I, I get that, but you know you haven't shown an ability to play on the right, and you know right now I think that's what's holding it up. But but they need they need an upgrade still in that spot with Jake Watson because I. Justin Hall is is not a top four defenseman on a team that wins a Stanley Cup. Period. He is just not, and we've 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 had it proven it was time and time again. Um. There's there's no more else I can say on that. It's not a slight on him as a guy. No, it's
0: definitely not. I know what you're saying. He's a he's a great six seven defenseman. Sure, yeah. Someone you need is depth guy like a Jordy Ben or the Victor Mete's they've signed, but it's definitely not uh, not top four material no but at the same time at least for last season Kyle Dewis had the ride with this guy because of what he did in the expansion draft and basically kept Justin Hall um but now you're looking at how close you are on the cap if you sign Rasmus someone's got to go anyway um you know whether it's Justin Hall whether it's foot whether it's whatever it is there's got to be some sort of shoot to fall to get Rasmus Sandine signed and in this lineup and have you under the cap so we don't know what the shoe is going to be to fall here. I don't know if there's going to be an upgrade on that spot. Um, maybe they asked Timothy Lillard to go up and play in that spot beside Muzzin and put Sandine beside Giordano and hope that Giordano stabilizes Sandine and Sandine has a breakout season. That's the only thing that I can think of that has not been thought of is maybe put Timothy Lillard there because he seems to all of a sudden just be willing to, Hey, put me where you need me. I will go and play and, Hey, I'll take that contract. That's less to show you that I'm a team player and yeah. I'm going to do well. It seems but like his attitude has changed a little bit, at I least from what I was have, there.
1: I don't know if I've ever had a problem with his attitude, but I'm. What I will say to that is that I, I haven't seen that Timothy Lillard is the top four defenseman yet either. Can Can you say that he is?
0: No, I, I, no. Same thing with Rasmus Sandin. I can't say no. that either, right?
1: So when I, you look at when you look at at teams that win anything. Um their their top four, there are no question marks there, right? Like when Tampa Bay was winning, it was it was Hedman and Ruta, and it was McDonough and Cherneck. Like those are some some mean hombres there, so to speak. Um when Colorado won, it was Taves and McCarr and like you know, Manson's kicking around and uh, Byram. Exactly. Like there's no question marks there. Um, maybe, maybe one of these guys, Timothy Lilligren, will will prove that as the season goes on, he's not a question mark. Like, were there question marks in Colorado last year at this time? No, I I, I don't think there were in Tampa. No, there were not. Um, they have like
2: five, possibly six, good defensemen exactly. on each team, exactly. and that's the thing with the depth here in Toronto. I think we have to use Sandin as a as a piece to trade. I I truly think that not saying Labushkin was the answer, but he's the type of player that the Leafs needed in the lineup to bring the physical aspect when Muzzin wasn't there, and he played well with Riley. Yeah. I think Dean's a, a trade piece at this at this point to get a right-handed shot because we don't have very many in the lineup.
1: You no, know, it's tough though, right? I like, you, you can build a case around that, but man, it's tough to give up on a guy who's 22. That seems to have all the potential that he does. Like that is really, yeah. really difficult. Um, you know, I I don't know. Can you get? Can you ask Jordano to move up the lineup? And with his experience, can he play on the offside? Would he be comfortable in a role like that? Would it Would it work? And then could you have a bottom pairing of of Sandin and Lilligren, or Sandin and Hall? Like, would there be a fit there? I I would just be really really reluctant to give up on a guy like Sandine at this point in his career because, you know, eventually Muzzin's going to be at a point where he's not the player that he is. He's mm-hmm. already 33. Like Sandine, I think is a guy that could go to a team that needs a top four defenseman to run a power play and end up with like 35 to 45 points and play quite well at this point in his career, yep. you know, right. um, Chicago,
2: Chicago, Seattle, just to name a few. Lots teams
0: of teams, that he yeah. Go to. No, definitely. I Listen, I, I agree with you. I, I would love to see actually maybe Giordano and Muzzin, but that's why I mentioned earlier. Yeah, Muzzin's 33. Every time he goes out of the lineup, the Leafs seem to lose a little pop. Um, teams seem to take a little liberties. I think that's why Jordy Ben was signed. Again, I'll go back to this a million times. I think he was brought in simply because when Muzzin goes out, at least they will still have a net front clearing grumpy arse man (laughs) in front of the net because that's what Ben will be. He doesn't have the Muzzin hockey IQ, but you can put him on the penalty kill and he will not let you stand in front of the net. He will play your back like a xylophone, probably take a bunch of penalties, but he will be that guy that Muzzin is with the physicality, just doesn't have the IQ or probably the foot speed that Muzzin does. But at least if Muzzin goes down, we still have a physical type guy in Ben in the wings on your bottom pair defensively, which means Giordano probably moves up, which means Lilligren probably moves up if Muzzin gets hurt. But right now, I mean, you're right. If you're guessing what your fourth defenseman is going to be and wondering, you know, who's going to anchor that spot, you're in a little bit of trouble. And like you said, off the hop, there's some question marks throughout this lineup. One that I don't have a problem with, and a lot of people do, is the goaltending that we brought in to supplant Jack Campbell. Like I said earlier, Jack Campbell, to me, I love the guy. Good goaltender. Great in the playoffs, of course. I didn't have any issue with what he did. Um, so you know, stop right play. there, right? Yeah, like,
1: right? Great in the playoffs. What more can you ask for?
0: Well, a couple timely saves, I guess. You uh, know what? One thing, one thing how I'll say about, how team, how about the guy. How for. about
1: the guys who were making, you know, you know, forty million bucks combined? How about they mixing a goal every now and again, right? Like that. <laughs> that would. No, no. Listen.
0: I, the one thing I'll say about Jack Campbell is we had more timely saves at a Jack Campbell than we did Freddie Anderson. Freddie Anderson's big thing was in the big moment there was not a save. For Jack Campbell, every five big moments there was at least three and a half saves. You were getting a goal and a half somewhere that was something that you we were just like, how did that go in? And it be it would be an ultimate backbreaker. But you're right. The guys up front definitely need to play better. What I'm saying about Murray and Samsonov here, you have two highly motivated guys. One guy who wants to get back to the Stanley Cup winning guy he was and he gets to play for the team that his dad cheered for and all the good feels, good stuff that goes with it. Apparently he's healthy. We all know how top-notch the Leafs medical department is. Spetsa raved about it. Ennis raved about it. Lots of guys come to Toronto and rave about just the health care that they have within the team to take care of them. So that will benefit Murray. But another thing that will benefit both of these goaltenders, Murray and Ottawa did not have a lot of goal support, period. Now he's coming to a team that does have goal support. Now the puck won't be in your zone as much. A better defense, I don't care what any Ottawa fan says, a better defense than the Ottawa Senators. Sorry, they just will. And for once, I think Murray may be able to, hey, if he lets one or two in during a game, it's not going to be the end of the game. The Leafs, A, may be up already one or two, or B, can get one or two back. And I'm not talking about the playoffs at the very moment. I'm talking about getting his confidence for the regular season, and that could go a long way for Matt Murray. Same thing for Samsonov. He wasn't horrible in Washington, but he just didn't fit what they needed. Don't think he's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder and want to figure out how to get himself a paycheck, a big payday, by playing good for the Toronto Maple Leafs under the bright lights. I think both these guys are going to be motivated, and I'm not worried about the goaltending. I'm just not. I don't know why, but I'm not.
1: Look, motivation is something that I will never use to justify an argument of mine. You can use it for you. Yeah, That's fine, but I'm never going to use it for mine. If if you are in the National League, like that's a prerequisite. You better damn well be motivated. Otherwise, you're in the wrong business. So, sure, they'll – They'll be motivated, but guess what? If I was in the National League, I I would be too. I'd be the most motivated guy there there is, but I wouldn't be any good. So with with <laughs> with um with Matt Murray, um the guy's gotta be able to stay healthy. You know, you say what you about the, the medical staff in Toronto and they do a very good job, absolutely. But at the end of the day, it's incumbent on the guy to stay healthy. Can he do that? I don't know. He's been uh, really battling injury issues for quite some time. Now he's gone through a lot of personal trauma as well, which which I totally understand. And I'm willing to to extend a lot of leniency on that because because I can understand how that affects his performance on the ice. Totally get that. And you, you hope he's in a better place now. Um, but remember, going back to his career in Pittsburgh, when it started to come to an end, he also wasn't sopping the puck all that often. Can't say that Pittsburgh was, was a team that was no good, right? Um, and, and now, Ottawa, just like Washington, both teams that are looking to contend this year, at minimum for a playoff spot, looked at the goaltending that they had and said, oh, We can't win with these guys. We got to go. We got to upgrade our goaltending. got to find somebody else. That, to me, is a real red flag. It's not like Arizona was like, ah, you know what? It's time to move on from this guy here because, you know, we're just... These are teams that are looking to contend that didn't feel they could win with those guys. That, that to me, is a huge red flag. In Washington, look, Elias Samsonov is a guy that they've been poking, prodding, begging, pleading with to take the number one job for, like, two-plus seasons now. And he has been unable to do so. And, and, and with Samsona, it was the fact that you, we talk about what happened prior to Jack Campbell. He would let in terrible goals at the worst possible time, like literally back breaking goals. I was talking to somebody from Washington today. I was talking to Washington somebody from Washington, you know, a month or so ago. And, and the story was the same is that, you just couldn't rely on not even a timely save that you don't expect to be made a save at an important time that just has to be made. He wasn't making those stops. Um, And to me, that's a real concern because that's the type of thing that we were trying to move past here in Toronto. I say, "We, (laughs) Holy cow. That, uh, that the team was, was trying to move past here in Toronto. Um, with, with Anderson and, and now the guy in Samsonov who has suffered from that inability to make those kind of saves throughout his career. So, look, th- there's there's pedigree, there's past history. The past history was like five years ago with Matt Murray. The pedigree with Samsonov, to me, only lasts for so long. It's the guy who came into the league, kind of thought of in like the – Shishirka type of mold, the Sorokin type of mold.
0: Nasholevsky hasn't been
1: able to, to, to take on that type of role yet. So that, well, yeah, exactly. Like one of these can't miss type goalies, haven't seen it yet. Maybe this is the year. But like, how many prove-it situations do you need to be put in before you finally do? Or what we're seeing is a guy that is not. up to this level of ability. We'll see how it plays out, but to say I'm confident in the goaltending, I am not. I am not.
0: Well, I hope that's one thing that throughout this season when I have you back <laughs> on, we have you on usually a couple times throughout the year that we get to look back on and say, "You know what? Good on it. It worked." Cuz the Leafs need something like this to work. Other teams find things that work. We don't yep. draft goaltenders. But other teams do find and hit on things that work. We found a Michael Bunting. We found a David Camp yep. last year. For all the things that people say about David Kampf, he's exactly what they need defensively. But I want this goaltending tandem to be one of those things that hits. Just let it hit. Let it hit and let the Leafs ride. But I want to ask you, you look at the Atlantic division from last year and you look at the Atlantic division this year. For you, Dave, is it stronger or is it weaker? And do you think the Leafs will be able to be in one of the top two spots, or will they be further down the rungs?
1: Oh, it's not a question in my mind that it's stronger. But I don't know how you can make an argument otherwise. Really, seriously, um, you know, uh, I think Florida's made some changes. I, I think there will be a good team still. Um, Tampa's going anywhere? Like they're still a really good team. Um, Boston, yeah, we'll see what happens there, right? Because they, they've got a few guys like Grizzlick and like Marshawn and like McAvoy and like Riley, like Riley that are going to be out for a period of time at the beginning of the year. Yeah. They also got Bergeron and Krejci back, which I think will really help. Um, so, I, you know, their goaltending is strong. It's funny, they're always one of these teams that we count out at the beginning of the year and they just they just prove us wrong in good regular season. So, I think they should be in the mix so long as they can tread water through the first four to six weeks of the year before the cavalry starts to come home, so to speak. I think Ottawa's going to be dramatically better. How can you make any argument otherwise? The only area of concern I have on that team is the back end, the blue line, where DJ Smith referred to them this past week as adequate, which is never a good sign when the head coach says that. (laughs) That's usually – what do you usually mean? What he serviceable yeah what he usually means to say is I hate the blue line but I can't say that on the radio right now um <laughs> you know they, they've got some good pieces there in Thomas Shabbat but I, I do think there's an element of, of concern but I think they will be better than they were last year Ottawa so like in other words they're not going to be a doormat they're gonna be a good team you have to play well to get points off them. I think Detroit is ready to take a step forward this year mm-hmm. um, with some of the moves that they made, bringing in David Perron and getting Husso to stabilize the goaltending. And I think Sider's going to have a, an unreal year. And Lucas Raymond is going to take off again. And they've got some guys like Dylan Larkin and Todd. Uh, Todd um, um, help me out here. Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi. Tyler, Bertuzzi, Bertuzzi, Tyler Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi. They also got cop too, didn't they? Cop too, coming home. Really, Ant- really, and Perron. Well, yeah, I mentioned Perron. And a really good uh, sort of middle six player. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're going to be a lot better than they were last. And I think Buffalo's going to be a little bit better too. Well,
0: I like think they, Buffalo's going to take a step.
1: They're going to take a step. I don't think they're being a playoff team, but man, they finally have some positive vibes down there. They got a bunch of guys that want to be Buffalo Sabers, which goes a long way. It uh, does.
0: Well, we talked about that with with Ottawa earlier in the week here you know, with players finally re-signing there and staying there and, you know, signing as free agents. That goes a long way, man, yeah. for the vibe of the team. Tate Thompson signed that monster contract. I mean, there's I really hope there, he does right? well.
1: But there's a risk there for sure because it was one year. But here's the guy that, that – and he said it at the end of last year, I want to be a saver. I want to be a part of the group that helps get this team back to a better place. Yeah. So, you know, I think they're going to take – I I really don't see, and even Montreal, like they've got some good players in that lineup. I don't see um, a situation this year in the Atlantic, like in the past number of years, where if you're Toronto or Tampa or Boston or Florida, you can just show up in September and know you're going to be in the playoffs. I don't think there's a guarantee this year at all.
0: Which could be concerning for the the Maple Leafs, obviously, with the goaltending that we talked about earlier. Uh, The not knowing what your top four is. Um, Obviously, you got a spot in your top six that could be Robertson, could be Matthew Nyes at the end of the year. Magic Beans, we'll call them. Don't know what they might be. Um, But you know what? What's going to be the fun part about this, and this is what I've been preaching to a lot of Leaf fans, and Dave, you'll probably like this one. Just buckle up and enjoy the ride because it going to be a ride this season. No matter how you slice it, from the goaltending to what Austin Matthews will do, to the John Tavares love-hate relationship with this team, to everything that may fall into place or may not. This team is going to be fun to watch this year regardless.
1: Oh, yeah. There's always story as you get built in. They've got the potential, absolutely, to be a good team. They, they really do. Um, you know, Can Austin score 60 again? Can he get 70? Is John Cooper, like, I don't know how firmly his tongue was planted in his cheek when he suggested that. Maybe, like, 50-50, but... I don't think he says that unless he believes it's possible. Like, could he get 70 goals? It's it's possible, yeah. right? Like, if he plays 82, scores the pace that he did last year, like he, he might, right? So uh, that's going to be really fun to follow. Um, you now, and to, to track some of the things that we spent the last hour talking about, there there's going to be a lot of good reasons to follow this team and um, to invest in the regular season because – I don't know, last year to me really seemed like the hell with the regular season. It's what happens in the playoffs. It still is that obviously this year, but I think there's a lot of reasons why you should invest in the regular season and and track sort of how this team builds uh, as the playoffs wear closer. So it'll be a fun ride, absolutely. But in in previous years, you were pretty confident that unless disaster struck – they're going to be in the playoffs. Disaster might not even need to strike this year. They could just be a very good team, but three really good teams finish ahead of them, or four really good teams finish ahead of them, and they find themselves in a tight spot. And that's going to be going to be really interesting to follow because there's some good teams in this Atlantic division now. There really are, I think. So let's
0: just throw this one out there then. The Leafs don't do well. They finish in the bottom of... The league standings and they get Connor Bedard. Well,
1: that's not uh, get carried away. <laughs> we'll end where <laughs> we finished, right? I mean, come on now, boys. Come on now. They're it's not all- gonna, out of town. They're not Listen. gonna be a bottom, a bottom, you know, seven or no, That
0: would be absolute wheels fall off the 18-wheeler. Yeah, everybody's hurt. But no, I look forward to this season, Dave. I always do. I love having you on because you're real when you talk about it. Um, I enjoy our banter, it's always fun um cannot wait to have you on probably towards uh i'd say the holidays just to get your holiday vibe on the team Mm -hmm. hopefully we're not too far with one way or the other you know figure it out see where things are and what's going on but i love having you on man where can everybody find you and where can people listen to your voice on a daily basis because they need
1: to wow that's too kind checks in the mail no i appreciate it i appreciate (laughs) appreciate the ask, fellas it's fun coming on with you um Sunday brunch uh, starting mid-October, NHL Network Radio, 11 a.m. Eastern on Sunday, throughout the week on Ice Cap. Still doing the summer show for another couple of weeks on the network, um, 9 to noon this week, probably 3 to 6, most of the next week, um, and then, of course, on NHL.com. So thanks for having me on, boys. It's uh, always fun. and really enjoy the, uh, the banter as well.
0: No problem. We love having you on, and hey, as always, offside hockey talks brought to you by boxing rock brewing co's puck off lagerdale the big beer for the big podcast with dave mccarthy this is your least preview hey this is offside hockey talk where hockey comes to talk